ex-minister Menno Snell has already resigned over the scandal. He is said to be replaced by two German... German ministers. German ministers? <laughs> that, that would probably make things better, yeah. <laughs> Friday, January 17th, 2020, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Dutch News contributing editor and crazy dog mom, and with me today is my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News and photoshopper Gordon Derrick, and Paul Peters, our resident Belgium transport specialist. Mm. What's happening in the, the world of Belgian transport then, Paul? It's fucking terrible. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. No, well, that goes without saying. That's yes. not news. So not news. Yeah. So, so Molly, she uh, has to go to Luxembourg uh, a lot for, a work. Lot for mm. work and for romantic trips. Yes. Yes. Um, so when she is done in Luxembourg, she wants to go home because, of course, of course. If you stay too long. So does everybody. Yeah. If you stay too long in Luxembourg, then you will end up you, uh, you, catching you. this this mysterious sleeping disease, which the entire country is suffering from. Oh, really? And what uh, happens when you get the sleeping disease? Do you, you get you invade all forms. of your taxes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, one you, of the side effects. You just sleep through the tax deadline. Yeah. 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 No, but, well, nothing, 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 but nothing happens. Nothing so ever okay. happens in Luxembourg. Yeah. That's because everyone is sleeping and yes. avoiding taxes. Yes. Um, <laughs> legally avoiding taxes. Uh, but Molly wants to come back to the Netherlands. But there are only a few transportation options. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found out that the weakest link in the transportation connection is the connection between station Essen which is on the border of the Netherlands, and Rosendaal Station, yeah. which is also on the border. Yeah, but on the Dutch side. On the Dutch yeah. side. It's only 10 kilometers away from each other, but mm. after, I think, 9 o'clock or something, there is just no direct connection yeah. between these places. If there was a connection, then Molly would be able to travel home from 10 o'clock mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, I don't know, well, uh, 8 o'clock or something. Yeah. I don't know. That would be your, your latest option. But yeah. now it's yeah. so much earlier. So if one of these court cases gets delayed or, or ends too mm-hmm. late, then Molly can't come home. Well, since one of your many jobs is a taxi driver, have you yeah. thought about just parking at Essen Station at nine o'clock and just shuttling commuters back and forth to Rosendale? Yeah, well, so, we used to do that because there was an international train that went from Amsterdam to Brussels uh, via Rosendale, yeah. but now they cancelled that connection. Right. And now they are forcing you to use the high-speed train, but you have to... Uh, but you can't get on that at Rosendale. No, it, it, it goes to Breda, I think. Yeah. But it isn't that much uh, faster. It's much more expensive and you have yeah. to make a reservation mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for that it's, train. It's incredibly annoying. It's incredibly annoying. So I advise Molly to just travel to Essen call our taxi company <laughs> let you let you drive from Essen station to Rosendale station which yeah. is 20 euros yeah and then after that you can just take, take the intercity train to, yeah. to to Delft yeah yes that's a it's a good plan so it's a good solution for everybody because you make money and Molly gets to stay in Luxembourg well, I don't make money lovely. but my yeah. boss makes your boss money. makes money yeah. yeah so you get you get to need your boss's good books yeah indeed yeah. Yeah. And all this came up because I was trying to avoid flying so much, but the train <laughs> connections are so bad that mm-hmm. I'm ta- I'm going next week to Luxembourg and I'm going to do this train thing. And then every subsequent trip, I've just booked flights because like I can't, I can't deal with this. But you feel like you've green you've greenwashed this. I by greenwashed going, taking the once. train once. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to yeah. be real <laughs> indignant about it. So. And so, how are your how's your photoshopping skills going there, Gordon? I don't know. I just photoshopped uh, one Roosters cartoon character into, into one picture. It took me about five minutes. So I don't really feel like I'm a, an adept photoshopper. But I mean, it, it was it very looked, convincing. It though. looked very yeah. convincing. Did it? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, was, I was just cycling. Uh, I saw one of these uh, signs um, as I was cycling through the Hague, uh, a nature reserve which has cattle grids, and uh, by the cattle grids, a sign saying "Glatrooster," which means slippery uh, grill. Yeah. But of course, that looks like "Glad Rooster" right. in English. So I put a 
picture of a foghorn leghorn of a grand, into the picture, rooster and I thought that was amusing. It was yeah. very entertaining. <laughs> that was it. That was a highlight of my week, really. Was... Well, Molly, you're a crazy dog mom. It's because it was Truvy's birthday this week, so oh, we really? made him a cake. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Did he enjoy his cake? He definitely enjoyed his Did he cake. wear his party hat again? He I wore, like it when he wears his party hat. He did. Hat. He wore yeah. a little hat. He ate some cake. We made cupcakes for, hu- for the humans that were in attendance, and uh, mm-hmm. everyone had a good time. Lovely. Oh. This week we will bring you the long-awaited result of the OPEF of the Year Award, but before that, of course, we have this week's OPEF, which Paul is going to introduce. And we're really glad to have Paul back. I'm tired yeah. of reading the OPEF, Gordon. I think we got to... <laughs> Why are nice you? Me too. No one does it better than Paul. It's true. I, I, yeah. I think you did an excellent job last week Thank you. on already the OPEF of the Year 2020. I, I appreciate that. We will be discussing some of that more in the uh, discussion. Uh, this week it comes from the Tweede Kamer. Oh, I love some Tweede Kamer uh, Because research shows that during debates in Parliament, 38% of members of Parliament are using their mobile phones rather than paying attention to the actual debate. The 38% is an average. Sometimes that number is up to 90%. I'm currently using my phone while, while we talk about this. Uh, currently mm-hmm. 90% yes, of this that. podcast is using, using their mobile phone. Well, 33%. 30%. But we can, we can move, we can, no, uh, we can move, move it up that to 66. Ratio up, 66 yeah, percent. Yeah. Uh, this research was done by media scientist Sidney Fulmer, who visited 28 debates in the Tweede Kamer with 12 of his students. And every 10 minutes, they uh, counted the members of the Tweede Kamer who were on their phones or on their tablets. MPs are not always using their phones or tablets for work-related reasons, such as uh, reading uh, official documents or sending emails. Fulmer and his students saw that quite often they are on social media, WhatsApp, Instagram, or even playing Candy Crush. Was there not the famous debate in the uh, in the chamber where about three ministers were actually watching football on mm. their tablets? Tablets in the middle of the debate. I was yes. going to mention that. <laughs> yes. Thank you for reading the script. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it brings to mind that incident. And the Dutch News's favorite politician has also gotten annoyed by this and has confiscated their phones, which I think is great. She does that on a regular basis. I love yeah. her. And she quite often uh, tells MPs or ministers or the prime minister to uh, pay attention yeah. to, uh, to to debate and knock it off. And, I love uh, it. Yeah. Let, let the phone. But I mean, if you are an MP, you are uh, usually talking with your aides who are not in the, in the yeah. room. Mm-hmm. So you need this form of communication. They used to have uh, people who would uh, bring... Run back and forth. Run back yeah. and notes. forth with notes. And they these people are still in the Tweede Kamer. They are dressed up like a, in a livery and yeah. some yeah. sort of uh, traditional uh, costume. And uh, they, these were called boders. So they would uh, write little notes and would pass it along mm-hmm. to each other. And these people used to have quite a... Quite a a busy job, job yeah. an active job, but not not anymore because now the the phones are. So yeah. I am proposing to ban all the phones and let the voters go do yeah. their work. They should, they, should, they, they should bring back pages. That yeah. was the best uh, phase, I think, the, the, when you had the pager stage, where all the MPs were constantly buzzing the whole time. Yeah. Mm. So they're getting messages to go and pick up a message from the voters. Yeah, to that end, <laughs> I slightly disagree with this this conclusion that like um, not everything is work related because I think WhatsApp is probably very often work related. Yeah, that's got to be when pe- how people are communicating with each other. Yeah, I mean, Candy Crush this, uh, is clearly not. No. But. You think? No. Mm. Mm. No. Mm. Yeah. No. Maybe Terry Bode could find a use of Candy Crush. I mean, if Terry Bode spent more time playing Candy Crush and less time talking, the world would be a better yes. place. Yes, I uh, once spotted Terry Bode playing chess on his phone. Of course, of course he was. God, he's so smug and annoying. This week, we're going to update you on stickstoff, fireworks, and taxes, plus bring you some non-boring sports news. In the discussion, we will give out the coveted Alpef of the Year Award. It has cyclists, railways, crossings, cars, and roads. Does it have a glad rooster? 
It doesn't have any cloud okay. roosters, no. no too bad. Oh. Uh, but Lego does not have bike lanes. Now, Dutch regional councillor Marcel Steeman believes that the highways of Lego's play world should reflect today's desirable city life, with plenty of space for the bicycle. With the support of Marco de Brummelstroet, which I do not believe is a real name, <laughs> uh, but he is apparently an associate professor in urban planning at the University of Amsterdam, uh, Steeman is lobbying Lego to include more space for the self-powered mini-citizen on its roads. He has twice submitted designs to the Lego IDs initiative, hoping to get 10,000 supporters to make them reality. Uh, Steeman said, I was playing with Lego with my kids and uh, there were Lego cyclists, but I wondered where they had to cycle, he told Dutch News. If you are Dutch, you are used to have cycling lanes, so he asked the question to Matthew Ashton, producer of the Lego movies, on a Twitter Q&A session in 2018. Things started happening quickly, I had 2,000 likes on Twitter in two and a half weeks and lots of positive reactions. I thought that I could get 10,000 supporters for LEGO ideas, so I set it to work. Unfortunately, Steeman said two designs have uh, been rejected for apparently not falling within the toy manufacturer's conditions. The problem is that LEGO is a worldwide company and traffic rules are not the same everywhere. You can draw a red Dutch path, but it doesn't work in the USA or Australia or even Denmark, which has blue cycling lanes. Steeman added that he was at that ideas should not make political statements either and has been trying to contact Lego to help uh, revise his idea to meet its norms. I was very entertained with this on Twitter because mm. everybody was like is this not the most Dutch thing you've ever heard? <laughs> I, I, I think it's the most yeah. Dutch thing. The next thing will be Brievenbus Firmas. Yeah, of course. Yes. Um, and uh, Bitterballer. Yeah. Yeah. Lego Bitterballer. Lego Bitterballer. Yeah. And uh, if you sell the, your Lego in Belgium, none of the train connections work. <laughs> <laughs> The finance ministry has decided to break up the tax office in the wake of the child benefits scandal, which saw hundreds of people branded as benefits cheats and wrongly forced to pay back thousands of euros. Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra told MPs in a briefing last weekend that the sections of the department which deal with means-tested benefits and customs issues are to be separated from tax gathering. The department's director general has also been let go. And this isn't the first reorganization at the tax office, is oh, it? Oh, no, 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 it is not. It is the <laughs> second to hit the department in five years. In 2015, the service was overhauled in an effort to improve the use of IT and attract younger workers, but that led to thousands of older workers leaving to take advantage of the generous compensation package, which I'm sure probably did not help them in this <laughs> disastrous new scandal. Tax Minister Menno Snell has already resigned over the scandal. He is said to be replaced by two junior ministers because the size of the job is too large for one person, which maybe they could have thought about before ruining a bunch of people's lives. Yeah, so exactly how did they ruin people's lives? Remind us uh, how this scandal unfolded. So some 300 families were forced to pay back thousands of euros and what the tax office said was wrongly claimed child benefits without even knowing what they were supposed to have done wrong. Essentially, um, you can get a subsidy if your kid goes to daycare. And so this was mm -hmm. like clawing back the subsidy. For some people, it was hundreds of thousands of yeah. euros. You're paid it in advance. So yeah. They estimate your income and then quite often you find you've been paid too much and you have to pay it back. Or of course, if you, if you did anything even slightly wrong, like uh, not sign a form or miss a deadline, they would assume that you were defrauding them yes. and, and, and there was demand no, all the money back. And there was no recourse. There, there was no recourse. There was no appeal. Yeah. You, you just had to do it. And some families had to move houses. Relationships broke down. It was a trash fire. Basically. And making yeah. it even worse, most of the families were dual nationals or had an immigrant background. Yes. So there was also some allegations of racism going on. So yeah, this was a total clusterfuck. Mm. Um, so now, in theory, maybe it'll be better, but I feel like there's not a ton of thought that that's no. going to fix everything. Well, if all they're doing is breaking up the tax office, then that doesn't automatically mean that they're going to change the culture or change the personnel who are responsible for this. Yeah, this so, which, a lot, which had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I was at one of.
of the debates in the Twitter about this and was interviewing some of the families who were there who were just like crying because mm. they lost jobs. They had wages garnished. Like it was a disaster yeah. and they had no recourse for this. I mean, it was really a terrible yeah. situation. And that's the other thing. The tax office has quite a lot of power. If they rule that you've defrauded them rightly or wrongly, then they can just take it out of your salary yeah. without you having any, you yeah. know, any say about it's it. It's crazy. Yeah. After enraging farmers and builders, Mr. Stickstoff Johan Remkes <laughs> this week decided to ruffle the feathers of the aviation industry. The head of the commission set up in response to the Council of State's judgment on nitrogen dioxide emissions has said that the expansion of Schiphol Airport should be put on hold until the aviation sector comes up with measures to reduce its emissions. Even though the sector only accounts for 1% of the total, Remkes said that it was fair and just for it to share the responsibility for cutting them. This is almost dumber than the argument about the childcare benefits scandal. Because? Because it's 1% of emissions. Yeah, but his argument is they should cut into the 1% to the same degree that the farmers have to cut into their 45%. Otherwise, you can't depend on getting the support of the farmers. I mean, what do you have to do then? Just, like, sell a little bit less meat at Skipple? I mean, how much of a... Like, it's 1%. How much of a difference do you have to even make here? Well, we'll come on to that. Okay. He also said that previous reports had underestimated the amount of nitrogen pollution caused by air travel because they'd only factored in emissions by planes flying at 3,000 feet or below. Okay. So, so what does this mean for Dutch airports? So, well, it's a setback for Schiphol uh, and for Transport Minister Cora van Nienhuizen, who wanted to see Schiphol expand and said last year that she wanted to increase the capacity to a maximum of 540,000 flights a year, which is currently half a million. It's even worse news for Lelystad Airport, which was due to open in the autumn of this year. Is anything ever good for news for Lelystad? Lelystad Airport <laughs> is just an ongoing disaster, Indeed. basically. It is constantly being put off for various it's reasons. A, it's a sad trampoline, you know. But... <laughs> <laughs> it really is, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so the Cabinet's plans to transfer short-haul tourist flights to Flevoland have been beset by delays, resistance by local residents, uh, rulings by Brussels, and, as we said, sad trampolines. And Which is one of the more <laughs> memorable... One of the more memorable ophefs, yes. Yeah. Where, yeah, where residents in the Lelisat area just put yeah. out towels and uh, decorated their trampolines with sad faces when yeah. they did the test flight. And if the government follows Remkes' advice, as it has on the roads and building sector, Lelystad could be grounded, and that will also limit Schiphol and its boundaries for Cal M, because it means it doesn't then free up capacity that KLM wants uh, for more intercontinental flights. Yeah, so real clusterfuck. And yeah. uh, who is happy about this decision? Yeah, well, not surprisingly, Kroon Links and oh, wow. the Partei for the Deeren, who've long been uh, wanting to curb uh, the... And also, interestingly sector. enough, the ChristenUnie. Why and are because they, uh, why are a they lot excited? of their photos live in the Veluwe area, oh, which yeah. is directly underneath the flying paths yeah. of the list of the airport. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, that makes sense. But Koenlinks and the Pay for Today have uh, long been uh, campaigning to, to stop or reduce the expansion of air travel. Jesse Klaver tweeted that this surely means the end of the opening of Lelystad Airport and described it as good news for its neighbours, the air quality and the environment. Although Remkes has pointed out that he hasn't said that uh, this means that all development at Schiphol has to be grounded. In fact, in his very sort of Johan Remkes uh, quite blunt way, um, <laughs> was quite dismissive that whole idea. He said, no, what it means is they have to come up with new measures to reduce their emissions before they can expand any further. Yeah. And he came up with various ideas for doing that, such as introducing more fuel-efficient aircraft, phasing out the older, heavier polluting planes quicker, also introducing things like electric taxiing. So the okay. planes going from to, to the runway do it on electric power mm. rather than on fuel. Yeah, with okay. the special taxiing. Uh, yeah. And encouraging people to take the train to the airport rather than driving. 
So, oh, that also uh, counts as the, uh, the I mission, mean, of course. I'd yes. really like to be able to take the train to Luxembourg and Strasbourg, but somebody has to get fucking <laughs> France and Belgium to get their lives together. So maybe he should be expending his political capital on that. Yeah. The, the, the but, problem with the one of his suggestions, the introduction of the more fuel-efficient aircraft, is that Boeing and Airbus are not going to develop these kind of aircraft for one airport only. Right. No. I mean, internationally, the focus right now on in terms of emission are, is mostly on CO2 yeah. and not so much mm-hmm. on uh, nitrogen. 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 Yeah, although that so, might come, it might be, but given this is a pan-European yeah. thing, yeah, the, the, is it really the, 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 a pan-European thing? Well, no, it's the, the, the reason to be a problem here in the Netherlands. Well, the nitrogen ruling is a ruling based on European law, so yeah. in but theory, the reason the Netherlands all the has such a problem with this is because yeah. of the agricultural sector. Belgium doesn't have a problem with it because they don't have the same amount of pig and chicken farming as the Netherlands does. And that's like yeah. the only reason. Okay, maybe we should move some pig farms to Belgium. Sure, export pig farms to Belgium and force the pigs to build a better train connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't let them travel by train because no. that way they will never end up in Belgium. No. The Netherlands is likely to bring in a ban on the sale of rockets and large firecrackers to consumers. Now the ruling Favour Day and CDA parties have thrown their weight behind the move. The cabinet indicated on Friday that new rules were on their way and this would appear to have now been made possible by a Favour Day U-turn. The party has staunchly opposed the ban. Pressure has been mounting on the government to take a stand since the recent New Year celebrations during which 1300 people were treated for injuries, 2 people died and 13 people lost an eye. Local councils, the police and safety organizations have all called for a full or partial ban on consumer fireworks sales. Even the Dutch Pyrotechnic Association said it recognized the need for greater controls. It's really bad when the Pyrotechnic Association <laughs> yeah. is more reasonable than the ruling coalition and the government. <laughs> Indeed. Klaas Dijkhoff, the VVD parliamentary party leader, told the Algemeen Dagblad that more needs to be done than simply bringing in a ban. It is also a question of mentality, he said. We are basically talking about scum who misbehave. Well, a lot of scum who misbehave. A lot right? of scum yeah. who misbehave. Um, so while we can accept a ban, we must also be clear about making sure the law is upheld. I'm always very curious when people want uh, are asking for a ban and some person opposes, they say, well, it's unenforceable. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, running through a red light is also forbidden. Mm. We don't put a police officer on every corner no. of the street to make sure that people don't do it. And yet somehow most of the time people don't run red lights. No, indeed. Yeah. So it's funny how that works. Maybe bans do work yeah yeah i mean you know you don't stop every murder by having a murder ban but like <laughs> i don't think anyone is proposing that we just legalize murder no because you can't avoid it anyway yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, what's prompted this change of heart for the parties? Well, I think the pressure to support a firework ban is coming from a number of directions. Firstly, we see that you know the number of fireworks-related incidents and accidents and damages they have been increasing for years now. Uh, I think we had a record in 2019: 9,300 incidents. Uh, that was an increase of almost 400 uh, compared to last year. And also, especially this year, we saw a lot of things happening in Duindorp, in the suburb mm-hmm. of The Hague, where yeah. rioters were specifically using fireworks as a weapon against yeah. police and firefighters as well yeah and f- firing rockets at them as they try to deal with emergencies yes people and, threw uh, rockets at a funeral a firecrackers at a funeral oh yeah procession. that's true yes. as well yeah, yeah. and uh, firework bombs exploding underneath police vans stuff like that we also had of course a very tragic incident in Arnhem where a fire in the lobby of an apartment building led to a family being stuck in an elevator yeah. and that fire was caused by it was uh, teenagers playing well. with fireworks yeah. in the and lobby two yeah. people died yeah. yeah two people died so yeah. it was a very tragic incident and also pressure is mounting from a lot of local 
politicians. An increasing number of mayors are calling for the national politicians to do something about fireworks. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these are Fefe Day mayors as well. Yeah, indeed, they like, did a... Yeah, uh, like Jan van Zanden in, in uh, Utrecht. And, of course, Johan Remkes himself, he's a Fefe Day politician. Yeah, 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 indeed. Yeah. 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 Uh, a lo- yeah, it's funny, if you're a national politician, then you don't think there should be a ban. But if you're a local politician, you have to actually deal with... Right, the repercussions. The damages and the repercussions about this, then all of a sudden they change their minds. So, yeah, what you, indeed, a lot of uh, mayors, especially from the Fefe Day party, and also the bigger city mayors, they have installed partial or uh, full uh, firework bans for next year or this year. So yeah, that's also a change of attitude and mentality from local governments. And what I also think is that the Fever Day was opposed to this ban because they thought their supporters were against the ban. But recent polls showed that this support is not as overwhelming as mm. they initially thought. Yeah. So Yeah, it turns um, out Fever Day supporters also like own pets and live in cities and know how terrible this whole thing is yeah yeah and i also think that if these number of incidents are increasing then more and more people you know have to deal with the damages and the injuries from this fireworks so yeah i think once your your car has uh, caught fire because of fireworks or you receive some other damage then all of a sudden you start to think differently yeah uh, yeah you're real opposed to fireworks i mean i I, i'm dutch i think these damages and these injuries are sort of part of life i think you you take them as sort of for granted because but they're they are part there. of life if, if if life in your country includes letting off stupid amounts of fire yeah indeed but I, but I mean th- this is happening all all my life so in mm. a way I think it's sort of normal but if you really start to think about it then you know it's this shouldn't happen what I'm most interested in is whether or not Klaus Dijkhoff can stop saying dumb things about this because no. I feel like every quote I hear about him in the fireworks is just consecutively dumber and dumber every uh, time. Have you heard Klaus Tarkov speak on other subjects in fireworks? Because then you see there's a, there's possibly a pattern here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll have to try to have lunch with Klaus Dijkhoff and oh, see yeah, if he sounds as that. dumb in person as he does in the media. Maybe you should bring some fireworks. <laughs> yeah. Sports news, and for once, 33% of this podcast will not be diving onto their phones because... Uh, there's uh, an exciting there's sports story. There's a story that's not football. I know. I, I'm really <laughs> wondering what this exciting news it's a great, is. It's a good it, yeah. It's not Dick Lawyer news, so what can possibly be? Yeah. Well, it is about uh, an Olympic medalist who has uh, been welcomed to the Netherlands this week, uh, and it is Kamia Alizade, who fled to the country from Iran. She was a bronze medalist at the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro in the sport of taekwondo. She was on holiday in Europe with her partner about a month ago when they decided to not to return home. It's not known if she's claimed asylum in the Netherlands. Um, she was on a tourist visa at the time. And of course, since she left the country, uh, we've now had the shooting down of a Ukrainian jet in Iran, which has obviously made circumstances even worse. In an Instagram post, she described herself as, quote, one of the millions of oppressed women in Iran, and she said she'd been humiliated and used for political purposes. She also said she was no longer going to wear a headscarf. She said, quote, I have worn everything that I have to wear. And what is the response in Eindhoven then? Yeah, Eindhoven is where she is currently living and training, and a local taekwondo trainer, Mimun El-Bujufi, said he saw it as a real scoop. He described her as an asset to taekwondo in the Netherlands. Uh, She had originally intended to keep a low profile, but a cover was blown when a photo of her at a memorial to the victims of uh, the Ukrainian Airlines Flight 752 in Eindhoven was shared on social media. And what do we think the chances are about her being allowed to stay? Well, that's an interesting point. Of course, um, she's uh, a high-profile figure. She's made her reasons for wanting to leave very public. She's also, of course, uh, denounced the Iranian government and said she doesn't want to wear a headscarf, so that's not going to go down well. I in think Iran, you mean? In Iran, yeah. sorry, yes, with the Iranian regime. Wasn't she also the the only female Ira- uh, yeah. person from Iran who won an Olympic medal? Yes, Olympic medal. she was, yeah. yeah. Mimul El-Bajoufi said it would be now, quote, impossible for her to 
to stay. In 2018, uh, 1,869 people from Iran sought asylum in the Netherlands. I couldn't find figures of how many of them actually uh, were granted asylum. Mm. But it's worth noting that Klaas Dijkhoff, here he is again, uh, in 2017 changed the guidelines to give political refugees and apostates, people who've renounced Islam, a better chance of asylum. Hmm. So uh, Dijkhoff said uh, back then that politicians, journalists and human rights activists who criticised the government in Tehran were at a high risk of being persecuted if they returned and so their applications should be looked on more favourably. And that would seem to be the case, really, for Alizadeh, given everything that she's said and the fact that she is such a high-profile figure and was so such a useful propaganda tool to the Iranian government up until the point when she defected. Yeah, I hope she can stay. Also, I'm impressed that Klaas Dykhoff opened his mouth and didn't say something really good. <laughs> amazing, though, yeah. So maybe he should stick to talking about immigration, which is everything I thought I would say. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Dutch makeup artist and beauty blogger Nikki de Jager, better known as Nikki Tutorials, has gone public with the news that she is transgender and underwent realignment surgery in her teens. In her 17-minute video entitled I'm Coming Out, de Jager hints heavily that she was making the announcement public because she's being blackmailed. Diacher, who is 25, has 12.7 million followers on YouTube, and the video has already been watched over 14 million times. She began uploading makeup videos in her early teens, but hit the big time in 2015 when her YouTube video, The Power of Makeup, went viral. Yeah, so and the response uh, was 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 overwhelmingly positive towards her, wasn't it? I mean, it, uh, when yeah, she it's, sort of, this a, video. it's sort of an interesting, I think, as someone who watches a lot of beauty tutorials on YouTube, the community tends to be, I think, pretty sort of progressive. There's also other trans people and non-binary people uh, sort of in this community, a lot of men who are also participating in this in, in ways. So I think that like that sort of community is, is pretty positive. The thing that has been extremely entertaining for me is that if, if you've never seen one of her videos and you don't know what she looks like, she mm. is very feminine looking mm-hmm. and people's minds were just blown like how could this be a man and it's like well w- well she's not how can she ever have been a man how could yes, she ever yes, have been yes, a man yes, yes. and it's like well it turns out gender is slightly more complicated than you uh than you originally thought but yeah yeah, so. yeah. and it's kind of ambiguous because on the one hand it's uh, she made it a very positive thing in the way that she presented this this coming out uh, video but of course it was against this background that someone else was about to out her if yeah. she didn't yeah so, so she was she yeah. it seemed that she was being uh, black man or, no. or threatens to be blackmailed. It's kind of interesting because I actually didn't know that she was Dutch until about eight months ago when she put out a makeup tutorial, which she did in Dutch. And I was mm-hmm. like, why does this random American woman speak Dutch? Because her accent in English yeah. is like it's really flawless. impeccable. It really yes, is, yeah. flawless. You would yeah. never know that she was Dutch no. speaking English if you did if you weren't already aware of it. Yeah. Um, and so, I was but she like, was oh. on, she was on Vista Mole last year. Yeah. That, that's where I know her from. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, this, I, this yeah, is for Dutch people. Though, <laughs> when well, I first heard about her, I was like, there was someone whose whose last name is seriously Tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of Dutch people were kind of already aware that she is trans, and a lot of the stuff that I was following on Twitter was like. Dutch people being like, yeah, didn't didn't everybody already know this? It was mm-hmm. like kind of a bit of an open secret in the Netherlands, but sort of worldwide, people were very yeah. unaware. Yeah. So well, yeah, good and it was her. huge worldwide news, isn't it? I mean, it's it's like the second. News. Her name was the second biggest trending topic, topic on, on Twitter. Twitter or something, yeah, it? it was yeah. huge news. Yeah. So good so, for her. But good luck to her. I, yeah. I never realized that she had such an international audience. Oh yeah, she's and she's super popular for this kind of stuff, and has mm. you know her own makeup lines and all these sorts of things. Is doing like very well for herself. So good. I hope it continues. Good luck to her. 
I'm sorry that some asshole was blackmailing her and like yeah, that. that but she, she, she seems, seems to have turned it in her favor. Yeah, yeah, so yeah definitely. Much, yeah. I hope that yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. her reaction was also that she was very glad that she came out and uh, the, yeah. the positive reactions were overwhelming. Yeah. So it's not that she regretted that she kept it a secret, but I yeah, mean, but it's, it's unfortunate that she couldn't do it on her own terms. No, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think what she has in favor is that her personality is. Uh, yeah. Oh, she's she just, so entertaining. Yeah, she has a very nice, nice personality. There was also the case on Visdemol. Yeah, and I've seen her. Uh, in different shows after that as yeah. well so yeah apparently it depends more on your personality than yeah. on your gender or yeah. uh, however you uh, identify yourself the other thing that I thought was funny when I discovered that she was Dutch is that she's apparently like a very posh but, accent but didn't she didn't she do at the end of every video didn't she do a Dutch word of the week or something yeah she used to do something but like it wasn't a it wasn't on the radar yeah. a lot of people didn't know yeah. do, do you think we can get her to do Op of the week, one week. Oh can, my can god! We ask her oh. to do please, that? Nikki yeah. tutorials. Oh, that would be brilliant. But please, Nikki, this is a personal appeal. We love you. We're big fans of you, Nikki. Please come and read out the op for the week. I'm week. also a huge fan of you. I didn't know who you were. So <laughs> I loved you on Vias to Mole. You were yeah. great. <laughs> can we do a whole podcast where she just like gives me makeup tips? Because I would also be real into that. We'll be discussing how I ruined democracy after this word from our sponsors. If you want to stop molly rigging elections or just keep up to date in general with the latest OPEF, why not support us on Patreon? Producing a weekly roundup of the latest Dutch news, sport and political developments costs time and money, and we'd like to show our gratitude to you by giving you a shout-out on the next show, and, and you can also ask us a question if you like on just about anything, and we'll do our best to give an honest answer, or at any rate, an entertaining one. This week we say thank you to Thomas Kubicki. Uh, he doesn't have a question for us, but um, thanks very much all the same for your support. Uh, if you would like to become a patron of the podcast and make sure we don't run out of coffee, strobe waffles or dog food, which is especially important, or dog cake either. Dog cake, dog very cake. important. Yeah. You can go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. Gordon, how does donating to Patreon stop me from rigging the elections? Um, well, because we're just going to buy a box and uh, keep you in it when we have uh, <laughs> the, the year awards. Fair enough. <laughs> Our listeners' favourite segment is the Ophef of the Week, and just as last year, we are asking you to name the best Ophef. Before the Christmas break, we nominated uh, three or actually four, four. Op-hefs four for the op-hefs, Dutch yeah. News Ophef of the Year Award. Because we don't really believe in democracy. <laughs> we do no. not believe in democracy at all. So uh, now it's time for us to uh, reveal the winner. Are we excited? I'm very excited. I am. I mean, I already know what the winner is because yeah. I rigged the election. Yeah, <laughs> just as you did last year. Of course. Yeah. Do you remember which OPEF won last year? Uh, sex birthday party in the, in the crash, right? In the kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And we already have a provisional winner for the 2020 OPEF, don't we? Yeah, which are is... we, should we discuss that now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because there's just no point in doing the OPEF of the week for the next 52 weeks of the no. year. Because our first OPEF of the week, which we did last week, which yeah. you should go back and listen to if you haven't already, was about a sex plane. And it's <laughs> really hard sex on a plane it's really hard to was it jeffrey epstein's plane uh no that would be a rape plane and that's not funny (laughs) that's not up half that goes beyond this was two adults having consensual sex in a very terrible way um on a plane in business class under a blanket making a lot of noise you remember the seat number 6B. 6K. 6K. So never book a flight on seat 6K. Yeah, on any klm plane because you don't know what sort of body bodily fluids are on the seat yes uh, Katja Schumann's bodily fluids, uh, which can also be jacuzzi water. Right, so, and the reason that this was so extra up is because she had previously 
kicked up a lot of ophef when it mentioned that she had had sex with seven people in a jacuzzi once. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's just, theme she's just living her best life. Paul, for some of our yeah. newer listeners, uh, yeah. what is it? What is ophef? Can you describe it? Uh, yeah, how would you describe it? Um, well, first I'm going to spell it because I've gotten a number of messages over the last few weeks of people asking like what this is. I've had questions along this line as yeah, well. It's yeah. spelled O-P-H-E-F. It's one word. Just Google checking. translates it to like fuss or kerfuffle, but it's that's not like, it's not a great, it's not, no, it doesn't, it's not encompassing. There's a bit, it's got a bit more substance than that, yeah, but not so, too much substance. So what does it mean yeah. in the Netherlands? Well, I... I have a personal definition. Okay, which I will, uh, let's hear your personal uh, definition. I think OPEF is the phenomenon of mass hysteria, excessive attention, and uh, uh, over-the-top outrage mm-hmm. about an incident, about some news, about some development, about a quote, for example, from politicians or celebrities or someone else, someone who writes a column, for example, yeah. and, and writes something ridiculous. Yes, yeah, so it's a sudden, very intense outrage sudden, over a news story that, that, that dies away just as quickly. Indeed, yeah. and it usually yeah. starts on Twitter of course. or on other social media, but usually yeah. it's Twitter, uh, and then it will spill over through the real media. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, uh, people who write columns will write their columns about this and then a day later nobody will mention it ever again and at the moment OPEF is happening it seems to be the most important thing in yeah. the world uh, but a day later it is taken over by some other new yeah. OPEF and then within a week everybody will be forgotten what it was all about or will even remember that there was OPEF about this. Yeah it's very ephemeral that's the key thing about uh, yeah. OPEF it d- disappears within a day. And yeah. it has to be about something that's not very serious. Well, you can have serious OPEF, but usually uh, usually it's very unserious. Yeah, yeah. It's very exaggerated. Yeah. The OPEF is usually disproportionate to the actual seriousness of yeah. the event. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well it can indeed. be about a fairly serious event, like there was OPEF about, say, the rebuilding of the Trade of Karma, which is quite a serious news story, but then the amount of outrage about the fact that there was a palm tree in there yeah. was yeah, just that, ridiculous. That, was our that makes it, yeah, yeah it, it touches upon serious <laughs> stuff very often, but yeah. the specific uh, uh, topic where the OPEF is directed to is usually not that serious. Yeah. But yeah. for example, um, uh, the uh, the Belasting toeslagen affair, yeah. which we talked about before the break. Uh, there is a lot of ophef about it. It's very serious. Yeah. Mm. So you can't say it's still ophef, but it's a serious. Yeah, uh, the scandal topic. itself was not ophef. It that went on for a long time, and also it was a thing that like very measured and reasonable people got outraged about because yeah. it's a thing that measured and reasonable people should be outraged about. But as one component of this whole scandal, there was a moment when the Belastingdienst sent uh, blacked out pages yes. of yeah. people's <laughs> personal documents to them, and lots of people posted this on Twitter, where they had requested their information from the Belastingdienst, and all they got was like redacted pages. Mm. And that particular subset mm. was Ophef, because it was not sort of like the devastating long-term serious consideration, but yeah. this like one idiot thing that the it's Belastingdienst a single incident yeah. within a much broader yeah. Yeah. Or there was a, another example would be that there was a debate a few uh, I think a year or two ago uh, about uh, army equipment and uh, the fact that the army was equipment was, the equipment the army were using was uh, wasn't as adequate and they were being underfunded which is quite a serious business obviously right. but then Thierry Baudet turned up to the debate in an army in, in like a combat jacket right. with like sort of you know, fake uh, uh, bits of uh, munitions hanging out of it yeah. the, and, and there was a lot of that cause, was cause the commentary about it that was the opf about what Thierry Baudet did not about the fact that the army you know um, uh, 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 was ill equipped with inadequate equipment yeah which brings us to <laughs> The, the, the mass generator, the most important generator of OPEF, that's Thierry Baudet yeah. currently. Yeah. Previously, it was Geert Wilders who yes. would make a statement, send a tweet or do a proposal which immediately outraged everyone, yeah. even though it was very clear that all these 
things that he said were specifically designed to cause upheaval, yeah. you would think that a lot of people, especially from the media and journalists who know that, that they wouldn't immediately jump on it because that's what he wants. You yeah. know, yeah. then you're just giving in 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 what he wants and what his intentions are. So uh, currently, it, uh, it used to be uh, Geert Wilders. Uh, he would. Um, thrive on on yes. upheaval basically that was his whole uh, um, that's his whole strategy really is generate as much upheaval as possible yeah in because media. attention yeah. is voter uh, yeah attention yeah. leads to votes and yes. that in that way it was uh, of the utmost importance for him to yeah. to to have this attention uh, currently it's Cherbu there he has sort of the same strategy I think but he does yeah, it in a different way he's more goofy about it he's mm. more goofy yeah that's true he mm. does uh, I don't like not intentionally either it's not that he thinks that he's funny he's just well no but I think with Baudet he always wants to give himself the room to get out of it on, with the excuse that he did it ironically whereas Villas never does anything ironically mm. and I think that's the difference between the two yeah that's true yeah so uh, who do we think or what will what do we think will be the main upheaval generator for 2020? Do we have an idea? Oh, like whether or not it'll be a a, a topic or a person. I yeah. mean, Cherry Bode is always good. Cherry Bode is always good. Yeah, and, uh, I think. Um, Klaus uh, Dykoff. Klaus Dykoff. I think Dykoff is, is going to generate a fair bit of Song festival. So, oh yeah, Eurovision, yes. of course. I mean, the Tweda uh, Tweda Commerce uh, renovation thing. I think we'll consider it, continue to to put forth some upheaval. Yeah, and there's going to be um, leadership elections in two of the parties, yeah. possibly three, if yeah. Britta decides not to yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that will create some opf moments. Yeah, I think the Stickstoff scandal has also moved past like things where people are taking it very seriously to the point where like there's a lot of like dumb stupid things that are being done I think that probably also has some well there's almost certainly going to be more farmers protests yeah, or more protests but they're like less serious protests it's now yeah. it's just like them doing like really ridiculous yeah, things yeah but all these protests even the serious protests always have some kind of ridiculous yeah. spin-offs or people say ridiculous things about them yeah. so plenty I mean, of potential for up there you know there's an election American election going on and the American ambassador to the Netherlands is always like a bit of an yeah. adult and says like some dumb stuff so mm-hmm. maybe we'll get one or two upheafs out of him who knows? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I expect that all these yeah. topics will generate enough upheaval for us to uh, to fill the uh, upheaval for the week segments. Yeah. Um, so before we go to the winner of the upheaval award, uh, let's take a look back at 2019 and yeah. let's look at the statistics of uh, our podcast. So um, in the year 2019, we uh, had 78,800 listeners. Wow. Which wow. is a ridiculous amount. That is silly. How many? Do we know how many podcasts we? put out in 2019 we usually uh, around 40 i think in the course 40 of the something like yeah. that yeah. yeah something like that the best listened episode was the uh the band is sick fun edition yeah what was yeah. that one about well it was one straight before the summer holiday oh yeah. Yeah. That means yeah people have seven weeks to listen yeah without they didn't have anything podcast. else they had nothing yeah. else to do yeah, yeah. indeed and yeah. the one after that is the sexy Brexit Muppet edition, but of that's course. definitely yes. because of the title. And, and the no, and the third one is the Eurovision is worse than Brexit edition. <laughs> so Brexit also twice, made, yeah. Yeah. a lot of Brexit. We should we should just put the word Brexit in, in all, all our, titles, our titles, and that will just yeah. generate a lot of uh, listeners. I think. Yeah. Um, then the top countries were from where our listeners come from. Shockingly, the Netherlands, yeah. uh, the U.S. and the United Kingdom. Um, Australia, Canada. I am, I am uh, a bit surprised with the United States on second place, I have I, to say. I think that um, I think there's a lot of both Dutch people who live in the U.S. and also Americans who have lived here and have returned to the U.S. Mm. and are listening. I also think that like some of this comes from people who are living here but have traveled back to the U.S. for like holidays and stuff. Yeah. That could be that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it's right, a bit and the same for the U.K. So and it just reflects a, the much bigger population size yeah. than oh, either the Netherlands or yeah. the U.K. Yeah. 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 Even though the U.K. is, of course, much closer to... Yeah. 
yeah. yeah. It's a smaller there's, country. There's way so, more people yeah. in the US. So we have almost 50% of our listeners come from the Netherlands, obviously, naturally. Yeah. Uh, 25% are from the United States. I think that's a ridiculous uh, percentage, but yeah. okay. I have to say, I'm surprised that Australia figures so highly, actually, when I look at that, when you compare it to the UK. Australia is on the same I think it's the same place. thing. There's a pretty, mm. like, lax visa situation between the Netherlands and, the, and Australia, as I understand. Mm. So I think there's a lot of just, like, people who are living here, gone there to live, etc., etc. Yeah. And then Canada is fifth place. Yeah. Belgium, sixth place. Damn Belgians. Germany, seventh. Japan yes. on eighth place. Wow. That's, okay. uh, that yeah. was quite surprising. Quite novel, yeah. Italy and Ireland, uh, uh, ninth and ten. Ninth and, ten. Yeah. and then the list um, only goes to uh, the top 50 countries. Yeah. And uh, what is the top 50 countries? The 50th country is Kuwait. Wow. wow. Kuwait? Kuwait? Kuwait, Kuwait. Yeah. Kuwait. Interesting. Yeah. Coming yeah. in ahead of you. Yeah, so Iraq is just, nowhere. So Kuwait. There must the be lots world. of. I imagine it's quite, quite a few people in the, in the oil industry. Yeah, Probably, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. But how would you explain Croatia? Uh, I know a Croatian guy. Forty nine. Yeah, I know a couple of Croatian people. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, although they a... don't live in Croatia, but perhaps that's they pre- perhaps maybe they, they listen to, to maybe they yeah. specifically travel to Croatia yeah. to listen to our podcast. Uh, then we uh, also SoundCloud also provides us with the top cities. cities. Mm. Um, Shockingly, Amsterdam is overwhelming. The number one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Hague, Rotterdam, Utrecht, Delft, Eindhoven, that's one to six. Then London is number seven. Wow. Uh, Amstelveen, number eight, but I <laughs> guess you can count that under uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Amsterdam, effectively, yeah. And then ninth is Atlanta, Georgia. Why? Wow. Who is listening to us in Atlanta? I don't know. Can whoever's listening to us in Atlanta please send us an email and yeah. be like, this is who we are and this is why we listen to you? Well, yeah. I'm more curious to know who listens to us from uh, Bernalillo, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, same. In the if you are our listener from Bernalillo, New Mexico, please send an email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. Especially because this person listened to us in the Christmas break 252 times. So you know what I think this is? I think there's a, someone had a big row with their family. I think somebody <laughs> had a big row with their family or like doesn't get along and they had gone there. They live here, but they traveled there for Christmas. Or every family member listened uh, individually to us from That's there. possible. Uh, yeah. Because 252... I don't think we have that many episodes. No, we mm. definitely do not have that many episodes. No, so people no. listen more than once. Yeah. And then uh, that's number 24th in, in, in yeah, last year. They level with Arnhem, I see. So as many people lived in... As many people... As many people listened in New Mexico as in Arnhem. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And then Ashburn, Virginia. But you had a theory about that. Uh, well, I have colleagues. I mean, I used to live in D.C. and Ashburn is a suburb of D.C. D.C. is also only a couple of numbers down on the list. So, yeah. I mean, I suspect maybe some of it is that. Also, like, you know, there's a lot of Foreign Service officers in The Hague and they go back to D.C. So maybe some of it is that. Yeah. More, Much more surprisingly <laughs> is number 32. Yes. <laughs> that's quite a nice But this also out. must be oil, I guess, because yeah. it's Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. There's a big university. What has Saudi Arabia to do with oil. There's a big university in Jeddah. Maybe it's that. Hmm. Academics. Just hmm. a lot of expats, I think. And uh, where does... Uh, what's a Tuftlund in Denmark? I don't know where that is. Is that Legoland? That's where... I think Legoland is near the, is in that area, yeah. It's also Probably a... It must uh, be Legoland workers. It's IKEA also there. a rug. Uh, from oh, IKEA, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> of course there is. Hmm. Yeah, Tuftlund looks it nice. It looks nice. Yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. we should go visit. Yeah. If you... Uh, if yeah. If you, if you want us to come around uh, and bring us some straw waffles, uh, if you are listening in Tuftlund, then uh, drop us a line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah Moscow, 36 as well. I suspect uh, some of that may be... Um, uh, someone that I know that travels to Moscow fairly regularly. Uh, 
So thought, maybe yeah, some of it is that. I thought you were going to say it was a... It's also Putin. It was a secret police. Yeah, just listening, oh, yeah. listening to yeah. us. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite possible as yeah. well. Narrabeen, Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, shout out to, to you in Narrabeen, yeah. wherever wherever that is. Oh, and I'm also very curious about Lubbock, Lubbock Texas. Texas. But yeah. I, I looked that, that one up and apparently the... Tech University of Texas yeah, is located there. there, so maybe oh, yeah. it has to do something yeah. with that. Yeah. I think if you are a person, if you're a listener, really, and you're from outside of the Netherlands, uh, we're just super curious to know why you're listening to us. Like, yeah. are you a Dutch person yeah. who's living abroad? Are you a non-Dutch person who lived in the Netherlands for a while? Like, do you just find our voices very soothing? <laughs> like, we're very confused. There's Sofia <laughs> in, Bulg- in the cap- Bulgarian capital. I will That's point out that one. none of the cities that are in the top cities are cities where anyone that I am related to lives in the United <laughs> States. So yeah. I see you, family. I you- see you not listening to my podcast <laughs> you don't know anyone from beachwood ohio i mean no i don't think so but like I, the, the town where my parents live or like my brothers and my sisters live like none of those towns mm. are listed on okay. here so. so you can uh, we can judge them yeah mm. okay so that was uh, i think the, all the stats sta- statistics from uh, from uh, from soundcloud yeah. so let's move on to the uh, all path which everyone cares about so um at fourth place with only 7% of the votes... I'm very surprised by this. I am yeah. very disappointed by that. It's the CBS Hass's Instagram post. Oh, such uh, a good off Just to remind you what, what what that was about. It's about two Dutch celebrities, Andrea Hass's Junior and Bridget Maslons. They fell in love and uh, started a relationship with each other. But there was a lot of talk about their age difference uh, that was between them. Maslons is a couple of decades older than <laughs> um, than Andre Hass's. And this was, of course, discussed at length in uh, the tabloids. Yeah. Uh, uh, and on, yeah. but, but not on a particular TV show. Etia Boulevard, which is the, the, the big celebrity gossip show, was curiously silent about it. Yeah, uh, given that Bridget Marsland is one of the presenters. Hmm, uh, which itself caused a, a, Some a, 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 a sort of second uh, stage op-path. Yeah. 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 yeah, indeed. It also sparked a debate about, you know, uh, should we talk about age difference what does it really matter but it was the Dutch statistics agency CBS who joined the OPEF when they posted on their Instagram page an infographic about relationships relationship stability and age difference I love it love some yeah. love some CBS uh, OPEF yeah that's very Dutch OPEF isn't it the, the statistics agency w- uh, wading into a celebrity story you wouldn't get that anywhere else <laughs> no, no, yeah. no with actual figures <laughs> as well yeah. 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 but only 7% so people did yeah, so that's from I place. thought it was a very good I uh, thought so too OPEF but apparently the listeners do not agree with no. us then on third place we had the yellow fests who uh, visited Mark Rutte yeah mm-hmm. so that's the story about how the Hela Heishas the yellow vest protesters came to the twa- t- came to Mark Rutte's office to visit him mm. and one of them faked being on the phone and yeah. one of them refused to shake his hand and it caused a whole bunch of drama about yeah. whether or not this was disrespectful yeah and, well, it, ba- and it basically killed the Hela Heishas movement right. in the Netherlands yes. as well yeah. 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 Was, we never was, heard from them again it was suicide by <laughs> fake phone call, fake phone yeah, call. suicide yeah. by photo call yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, only 16% of our listeners thought that that was the best op of the year, so... Moving on to the second place, that's the F-35 foam incident. Oh, this one's yeah. also this great. This one was my favorite, I have yeah. to admit. Yeah. Uh, because decades of OPEF about cost overruns, delays in developing uh, the brand new state-of-the-art, hundreds of millions uh, of euros costing uh, fighter jets F-35, culminated in this incident. Yeah. Um, in 2019, we saw the first planes finally arriving in the Netherlands in Leeuwarden. Uh, these were greeted by a traditional water arch, uh, but instead of water, extinguishing <laughs> foam was accidentally 
heavily used, and it turned out that this phone contained chemicals that damaged the planes. Yeah, and, and the then of course subsequently the uh, the, the firefighter responsible this was presented with a foam cake, this yeah, is a the foam top part. cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 because his birthday was the week after that. that was yeah. really I think this story, this is my nomination. I remember, and I think this story would have won if somehow we could have got Katja Schumann in that plane. <laughs> yeah, that's that true. Have, that would have done. That would have been a sure fire. But winner. only twenty percent of the listeners agreed with you, so that brings yeah. us to the all pef of the year. Of Which course, I already knew this because winner. this is totally what I wanted to win. The mm. <laughs> so PVV Senate leader Marlijn Faber, who uh, oh famously God. said, "Mijn tweet klopt." Uh, she tweeted uh, some fake news about a stabbing incident in Groningen. Uh, yeah, very, very, very tragic incident. But she claimed that the perpetrator was someone from Northern African descent. And she also said something in her original tweet about how it was uh, the police weren't gonna tell you this or yes. something. Yeah, but, like, the police they, are covering this up covering because this up. Of the, because the politically correct state doesn't want you to know. Yeah, yeah she was claiming yeah. that it was a cover up, even though police and also eyewitnesses they all yeah. confirmed that this was not the case. Faber refused to correct, remove, or apologize for the tweet. Uh, and journalists were trying to ask her questions about the tweet, why she did this, and why she was uh, spreading fake news. But she refused to answer this. And after that, they chased her through the Senate building with a uh, rolling camera. Yeah. And at some point, she turned uh, turned around and she yelled in the, in the microphone, Mine tweet klopt. Which means? My tweet is correct. Yes. yes. Um, and this immediately turned into uh, a fantastic <laughs> meme. Yeah, so everybody yeah. was screen grabbed this and then uh, has been sharing ads, which yeah, has been extensively. extremely entertaining. Yeah. So congratulations to uh, Marlon t- Faber. Yeah. You yeah. are the Opeth of, of the year. year. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine a PVV politician being the Opeth of it's the year. It's spooky, isn't it? What are the chances? Crazy how that would happen. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah. yeah, congratulations yeah. to you. I'd say when they redesign the Toyota Karma, I hope that they do what they did with the last redesign, which have a nice long corridor that MPs have to walk down whenever yeah. they get to the go to chamber so there's plenty of <laughs> opportunity for this kind of event to continue Indeed. so that was the best bit about it she was actually being pursued down the corridor yeah. by by a camera crew as she was trying to get away from them but it she was had so the, far it was to the walk NOS, right that did it yeah, yeah. props yeah. to the nos good job yeah. so that was our up of the air Unfortunately, we already know what the op-hef of this year is going to be. <laughs> yes. So yes. there's not really much That's of a kind of Marlene Faber needs to do her best to top She's going to have to have sex on a plane if she wants to top <laughs> With this. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. And nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> no. That would go far beyond op-hef. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's all that we have for you this week. This production. This production. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And if you are listening from a weird mental institution in New Mexico, <laughs> please send us an email and let us know I, what I'm the deal really is. I'm really We really want to know. Yeah. Uh, you can now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl, and you'll earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. You can also ask us a question, which we may or may not answer. <laughs> My thanks to Gordon Derrick and Paul Painters. I'm Molly Quell, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.